Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. Hello, Ivy Church. Hello, Ivy Church. Welcome to Ivy Church. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. When I was in my early teens, we went on a family holiday to Italy. While we were there, we did a day trip to go up the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Now, we queued for ages in the baking sun, and then when we finally got to the front of the queue at the ticket office, we found that the next available time slot to go up the tower was five hours away. So we decided to leave it, and we wandered around the lawns in front of the tower and eventually found a good spot for a family photo. Here it is. Yes, that is me at the back, looking very fetching. Now, there's only one problem with this photo. There are four children in my family, not three. And as my dad lowered his camera after taking this lovely picture, he looked around and uttered two words that I'll never forget. Where's Will? Now, I'm going to pause this story here. I want you to imagine, at this moment, you are my parents. There is no sign of your five-year-old child in the middle of a crowded tourist site. How would you feel? What would you do? Now, you might be a parent already, in which case you don't have to imagine this scenario too hard because something like this has already happened or it certainly played on your mind. But I wonder, what would you say if I told you that my parents had said, ah, don't worry, we'll just wait here for him to come back. Aren't the three of you so good for not wandering off? Anyway, even if he doesn't come back, three is still bigger than an average family. You would think they were crazy, right? Well, neither would you expect them to say, well, we respect his freedom to choose what he thinks best. He's five years old. And of course, they didn't say those things. And you'll find out what happened a little bit later on. You might be wondering, why am I telling you this story? It's because if you're anything like me, your natural view of God is something like that that if you wander off, he's indifferent or angry or distant. Or if you think about coming back to him, you're not sure what's going to happen. You might be afraid or think that you just have to make up for it somehow and try harder next time. Or if you're coming to God for the first time, you're looking at the other people around him that say they know him and wondering, well, I could never be like that. I'm just not there yet. But the surprising good news today is that God is not like this at all. So we're in this series here at Ivy called From Lost and Alone to Found and at Home, exploring how we can find our way back to God and help others to find their way back to God too. If God is real, then the next obvious question is this, what is God like? Now this question is one that has been asked a million different ways by nearly every person in every culture, religion, philosophy and worldview throughout all of history. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells us exactly what God is like using three stories. The story of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the two lost sons. Last week, Anthony looked at a story that Jesus told about what a shepherd does when he loses a sheep. Now, if you missed it, then you can go back and catch it on YouTube. Today, we're going to be looking at the second story, the story of the lost coin. And you can find it in Luke chapter 15, verses 8 to 10. We're going to look at it in a moment. Now, At this point that Jesus is telling the story, imagine yourself there. He's surrounded by crowds and particularly two groups of people. 
The first are called sinners and tax collectors, right? They're like the morally lacking, either living lives opposed to the ways of God or had jobs that were questionable by the moral, religious and political standards of the day. They were the kinds of people that most people would quietly and privately judge. Now, I wonder, who would you put in that category today? One thing's for sure, they were not church-type people, whatever you think that might look like. They weren't going to synagogue on Saturdays because they, they were in bed with a hangover from Friday night. But this is who Jesus loved to spend his time with. And what's so fascinating is that these people loved to spend time with Jesus, desperate to catch a word of what he was saying because he was just so different from anything they'd experienced before. And you know what? This is what upset the second group, the religious leaders and teachers. You see, they had a particular view of what God is like. It led them to be very focused on themselves and doing all the right things. They thought they were better than everyone else, especially those people. Now, it says in the first two verses of the chapter, it says this. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, you know, jostling and getting in. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they murmured, like, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. This was scandalous. You see, the word welcome here doesn't just mean like a smile and a nice hello. In the Greek, in the original language, it's much stronger. It means to welcome and receive someone as a friend. Not a Facebook friend or an Instagram follower, but like an actual friend, someone you actually love and care about, value and enjoy spending time with. So Jesus is welcoming these sinners and tax collectors as friends, but that isn't all. Are you ready for this? He's eating with them too. Now, we might have dinner parties if we're very middle class or have someone around for tea or go out for a curry. We might entertain people we don't really know or find ourselves at a party with people we don't even really like. But in Jesus' time and in many cultures around the world today, to eat with someone was not to just entertain them or even as a sign of friendship. It was much more than that. It was a sign of family. This is why the Pharisees were so triggered by Jesus. How could someone who claimed to teach the ways of God welcome and hang out with those people who appear to show no interest in following God's laws at all? Let me say that again. This was the issues they had, the wrong view of God. They thought of Jesus. How could someone who claimed to teach the ways of God hang out with people who showed no interest or seemingly showed no interest in God at all? But the problem is not with those people at all. Their problem was their view of God was wrong. And so Jesus tells them these three stories to set them straight. And let's look at the one of the lost coin. So Jesus says, suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Now, the silver coin mentioned here is called a drachma. It's the amount given for a day's work. This woman had 10 drachmas. It was probably enough uh, to look after the family for a week or two. So do the math for yourself. Imagine losing half of what you earn this month. Total disaster, right? How would you feel? What would you do? What does she do? Well, Jesus tells us. He says, doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? Now, in that time, houses typically had floors of limestone plaster that would easily crack or floors of uncut stones basically perfect for losing precious things. Now the windows were small slits high up on the wall, so even in the middle of the day, it would be really dark inside. So obviously she has to light a lamp and get on her knees. 
And eventually she finds it. And it says that when she does, she calls her neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I found my lost coin. She can't believe it. Feel the relief. Things are gonna be okay. And she's so happy, she tells everyone and gathers the whole community together. Now we get to the punchline of this story. See, this story isn't about money at all. It's about salvation. Jesus says this, in the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. This story tells us who God really is, what he's really like, and how he thinks about people and you and me. This is absolutely revolutionary for the people hearing it from Jesus for the first time and for us today. The Jewish scholar Montefiore wrote that the rabbis would have agreed that God welcomed a person who knew they had done wrong and asked for forgiveness, but the idea that God actually takes the initiative, actively seeking people out, was totally new. So do you see what's going on here? Just like my parents' most natural and expected response when my five-year-old brother went missing in Pisa was not to stand there waiting for him to come back and say sorry, but instead sprint to every place that we'd been to see if he was there and ask everyone, hey, have you seen our boy? Please stop what you're doing and please help us find him. By the way, we did find him just in case the unresolved tension has been eating you up. He was just that, sat there still in the ticket office. And just like the most natural and expected response of the woman who lost one of her silver coins is to search high and low in every nook and cranny until she finds it. What Jesus is telling us is that when someone wanders away from God, deciding to do things their own way, his most natural and expected response is not to wait for them to come back or say, well, they'll get what they deserve, or it doesn't really matter because I've still got nine lovely shiny coins. No. God's most natural and expected response is to go searching, running after them, searching high and low until he brings them home because they're precious to him, because they belong to him, because he loves them. So for you today, you might wonder, what is God's attitude towards someone far from him? Most of the time, like I said, we assume God is either distant or angry. If, we want, if we've wandered off or done something wrong, we assume that we'll need to make up for it in some way. And even when we feel like we have made up for it, there's still like a lingering sense of guilt and the worry that we're not really good enough to be a Christian anyway. Or we assume that God doesn't really care about what we do and what happens to us. Either way, we keep our distance. But this is not what God is like. He is like the woman searching all out on hands and knees for the thing that is so precious to her. And that's you and me. Before we ever had the idea of going searching for God, he came searching for us. What could the coin do once it had fallen away? Absolutely nothing. It could only allow itself to be found. In fact, if you have something in you right now, tugging away that draws you to explore God, to come to him for the first time, or come back to him again, that's because God's spirit has already been searching for you and drawing near in pursuit of you before you've done anything. So, who are you in this story? Do you identify with the lost coin? Do you feel far from God right now, somehow disconnected, fallen through the cracks? Then know this, God has been searching out for you. It is no coincidence that you're hearing this message today. How can you know that for sure? Because he's already come searching for us in the person of Jesus. Out of his love, he came to pursue a people that had turned their back on him and gone their own way. That pursuit led him to be ultimately rejected by the people that he came for when he was killed by being nailed to a cross. He died for us so that we might be forgiven of all the things that we've done for the fact we've all wandered off and be reunited with him. He's not holding anything against us. 
And that cross is the image that stands throughout history as the lengths our Heavenly Father will go to to pursue the people he loves. The lie is that we're better off without God. That's what keeps us running away. But it's madness because there is no way you can go where he will not pursue you. So if you identify with the coin, the question is this, will you stop running from him and instead allow yourself to be found? In a moment, we're going to pray. And if you resonate with the coin today, then you can talk to Jesus and say to him what you want to say to him in your own words. And know that today, our Heavenly Father will rejoice over you in front of all of the angels in heaven when you do. But it doesn't end there. It starts there. Because if you've been found and the invitation is to become like the woman and to have that heart to diligently search and keep reaching out for those people that are far from God, because God is not far from any one of them. Don't fall into the trap of the religious leaders. When my brother went missing, if I'd said, oh, it's not my problem, it's my parents' problem, at least I'm not lost, I'm all right, please can we get ice cream now? You'd be like, wow, Tim. Exactly. Of course I didn't. I was beside myself. But friends, if we're honest with ourselves, we can be a bit like that because we're okay, because we've been found and therefore that's it. And the reason that I know that we can be like that is because often I'm like that. But listen, if we understand who our God is, if we embrace the truth that Jesus is telling us in this passage, and that out of God's great love, he relentlessly searches for what was lost, then we will also join in that search, whatever it takes, whatever the cost. So you might be wondering, that's great, but how do I actually do that? Well, two practical tips, and then we're done. Number one, it's not complicated. Pray for people who don't know Jesus yet. Ask Jesus to highlight someone that he's searching for, that he wants you to join in in his rescue mission. Start praying for them. And like the coin, they're not far away. They sit next to you at work and they live opposite you on the street. Right now, Christians all across the city of Manchester are committing to pray for five people every day that they can share Jesus with and invite them to come to the events of Festival Manchester this summer. Have you started doing that yet? Who are your five people? The second practical thing, Again, very simple. Spend time with people who don't know Jesus yet. Do what Jesus did. Have them over for tea. Welcome them into your lives and in your homes as friends and as family, even if you don't really know them yet. Spend time eating with them. A meal, a coffee, a biscuit. It doesn't matter, but it's not complicated. Get to know your neighbours. Invite them around. Welcome them around to your table like a family. And if you live on your own, get a friend to do it with you. So, God is the one who searches high and low for what's precious to him. That's you and me. If you resonate with the lost coin, God is searching for you. Will you let him find you today? If you say you're already found, are you joining in with God's relentless rescue search? And what would it look like if we all did that? What difference could we make as a church if we all joined in God's great search? What if we all committed to praying for five people every day? Do you know that as a, at Ivy Church, a church of a, say 500 or so, then two and a half thousand people would be prayed for every day. Wouldn't you want to be a part of that? So wherever you're at, my question to you is this, what is your next step? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you're so different to how we expect you to be. And that even before we think of coming to you, you've been searching for us and chasing us down our whole lives. And that means we can rest in your pursuit of us 
and not be anxious, really, about our pursuit of you. And for those of us that resonate with the lost coin, we say, Lord, we surrender to you and allow ourselves to be found. Come. And Lord, we know there are many others that you are searching for and reaching out to. Show us who those people are in our lives. And would you help us, Lord, to be a part of seeing them be reunited with you and share in the joy that you share with the angels when that happens. Let us be a part of that too. In your precious name we pray. Hi, I'm Anthony Delaney. I'd love to welcome you to Ivy Church. Do check out the website, click on a few buttons, look at some previous teaching and some of the other things that we've been involved with. And why not plan to join us soon at one of our locations? Join a grow group, do the alpha course and figure out for yourself what it is that Christians believe. Or if you've got anything we can pray about, be in touch, press the contact button so that you can email us, let us know about you and how we hope you can be part of us. Come and join us at Ivy Church.